0: Can I say something controversial? I would love that. Persecution is the fun part of Mormonism. Go on. It's a little bit fun. (laughs) Well, especially because it's imagined.
1: It makes you feel special. It's a little bit of drama.
0: Well, hello, everyone.
1: I'm Katie. I'm
0: Elisa. And this is Please Bless This Podcast, the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture and sometimes essential oils.
1: Oh, here we go. Here
0: we go. You know, actually, this makes sense. I have a nice cup of herbal heartburn tea
1: brewed mm. up
0: with some like marshmallow root.
1: Wow.
0: Larry Westover would approve. 100%. Are you
1: eschewing doctors at this stage in your life? I literally saw a doctor yesterday. <laughs> Blast um, So sorry. We've hinted around it, but today's episode is about <laughs> Educated, the memoir by Tara Westover, published in 2018, New York Times bestseller on Obama's reading list that year, mm. made millions of dollars. Yeah. A great big deal of a book. Yes. I was
0: just saying before we recorded that it's kind of insane that I hadn't read it until just recently. I don't know how I evaded it for so long. Only and everybody because it's was been
1: like, such a phenomenon.
0: And it's like Mormon adjacent. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, you have to read this book. And I'm like, I know, you know. Right. No, turns out I do. Or
1: is it Mormon adjacent? That's, or is it? That's the real question. So at the very beginning of the book, Tara Westover includes an epigraph that says, this story is not about Mormonism. And we are not sure we agree.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. And as a matter of fact, as soon as I heard that, because I listened to the audiobook, as soon as I heard that, I pressed pause. And I was like, this is going to be a lot.
1: Yeah. For me. <laughs> Why do you think that's there? Uh,
0: Well, it's kind of, it kind of seems par for the course You know, when you consider, like, how desperate she was to maintain her familial relationships, Mm -hmm. she's probably still, like, doing whatever she can to, like, maintain face and not be possessed by the devil. But also, for the most part, as I read it, like, if I were not or had never been Mormon, I wouldn't think that this was an attack on Mormons. It really only is if you know... A lot about Mormonism
1: and I see agree with the you.
0: connections
1: and that's one thing I think is so fascinating like she's clearly conflicted about her estrangement with her family her estrangement from Mormonism and I agree with you I think there's this effort to not make it about Mormonism as a way to like keep the peace yeah both with her family and with her many many Mormon friends uh, mentors yeah, she doesn't yeah. want to be like, I'm attacking your beliefs. She just wants to be like, I'm telling a story about my life. Right. And I, on some level, I really relate to that as mm-hmm. someone who is creating a public facing content about Mormonism. Mm-hmm. I recognize that that's like a fraught position to be in.
0: For sure. And we've not, we've not talked about this before, but it's something we struggle with a lot. And we talk Mm -hmm. about a lot. And I know we talk to our spouses about it a lot and Mm -hmm. our therapists and like, yeah, it's not an easy thing to just do. It's not like a simple
1: choice to make. You're sort of constantly self-assessing. Like, am I saying too much? Mm -hmm. Am I self-editing too much and why? What is my motivation here? And is it healthy? Mm Mm-hmm. Those are questions I can completely understand having, uh-huh. if you're writing a book about your Mormon upbringing, for sure, for a broad audience. I think that would that's a really brave thing to do.
0: At the same time, considering the trigger warning abuse that she um, endured her whole childhood and, and adolescence, uh, I can't help but feel it makes me a little bit angry. Who are you protecting? Right. There had to have been people in her life, in the church, her bishop, her whoever, her young women's leaders who turned a blind eye when they saw, you know, people who were clearly children who were neglected, Mm -hmm. people who were violent. Evidence
1: of violence, evidence of mental illness. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Those people uh, should be held
1: accountable. (laughs) In that way, this story hinges on Mormonism because Mormonism enabled so much of the behavior of her abusive father and brother Mm -hmm. so let's back up before we get too into that kind of key question is this a story about mormonism Mm -hmm. let's give like a quick recap of the book for the handful of people left on earth who have not already read it
0: Okay. You want me to give a Katie recap?
1: Yeah. Give a Katie recap.
0: So think what some of you may be familiar with. Think Ruby Ridge, think survivalist Mormon family in the woods, in the mountains, in Idaho, Mm -hmm. you know, think junkyard kids being put to work, no birth certificate, no school, just toiling over scrap metal. Mm -hmm. And um, this goes on for years and years. And there's a A load of kids, Tara Westover being one of them, a bipolar, probably traumatic brain-injured dad Mm -hmm. who rules over the family and uh, lords over them. I mean, and they see him as being almost like a Joseph Smith figure. He Mm -hmm. has revelations. Yes. And a mom who's just a subservient Mormon mom. That goes on. Lots of terrible things happen. Like we said, child neglect, horrific injuries. Um, They don't believe in doctors. So Mm -hmm. they treat things at home with things like essential oils, which the mom makes later to become a bit of an essential oil mogul down the line. Some of the kids uh, get away, go to school. Some of the kids stick around. Some of them are like so traumatized and fucked up from their upbringing that they fall into the same patterns as their dad perhaps they have the same mental illness but it also mm-hmm. seems to be attributed to like straight up brain injuries because they are so often injured working yeah. in a literal junkyard tara endures uh, a lot of abuse from one specific brother um that is really horrific and hard to read about mm-hmm. and she I don't know, by the grace of God, somehow escapes and manages to convince the good people at BYU that she (laughs) should be admitted there, even though she's never had a day of
1: any schooling in her life. And even though she had just barely turned seventeen.
0: Yeah, and she goes to BYU, and so begins a new story for her, slowly but surely. She finds her way in the world, has a lot of academic success, but continues to go home to her family who are horrible to her, a mother who chooses her abusive husband over her children. You can imagine. It's very upsetting. But over time, like I said, lots of academic success, and she leaves the church. She doesn't say that outright, but she, you know, starts and working with a boyfriend. Heavily. And yeah. And then by by the end of the book, she has, like, cut all ties with her parents and a couple of her siblings and has the support of a few of them. Bada bing, bada boom. Educated. Educated. You've just been educated.
1: Lots of really interesting themes in the book about education as, like, a thing that sets you free, But that can also complicate your life. Like she talks about her education sort of saving her, but also being a thing she really resents. Because Mm -hmm. the more she sees of the world and experiences, the more she realizes that her father is not (laughs) a good, righteous, trustworthy person. That her mother did not protect her. Mm -hmm. That the beliefs she was raised with, which were extreme, are like not valid at all right and there's a brutality in that in that reality mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure that really comes through another sort of key theme of the book is about families and what we owe our families and what loyalty to family means which Mm -hmm. again is a thing katie and i have talked about really explicitly ourselves just in the context of this podcast like what does it mean to be true to your family but also true to your own experience and your own values those are hard questions And then also, like, a thing that comes up over and over again is the unreliability of our own memories and our own histories. Her PhD is in history, and she studies specifically historiography, which is, like, the study of how history gets made, Mm -hmm. the methodologies of history. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really, like, inherently about a sort of skepticism towards objective fact objective accounts of the past and the actual impossibility of objective facts (laughs) so like she's grappling with that intellectually but also in her own experience because she has all these memories of her childhood but they're constantly being questioned Mm -hmm. by the other people in her life or just outrightly lied about by the other people in her life so she's Which, like consistently like, I remember this, but so-and-so remembers this differently. And so-and-so yeah. and so was like, I wasn't even there. Right. And isn't that tricky? <laughs> yeah. And she
0: talks about um, later on in her life when she's uh, maybe at the point where she's already getting an advanced degree where she questions her own memory all the time, even mm-hmm. when it comes to the most minute things. just always trusting the opinion of another over her own. Yeah. And- that's so sad.
1: Yeah. Like at one point she's like, I wanted to ask, is this book blue? Is that man tall? Yeah. Because she's just not even trusting in her own sense of the world anymore. Mm -hmm. So lots going on in this book, but I just like could not shake that epigraph about how this is not a story about Mormonism. For sure. In part because of obviously the way we're thinking about pop culture and Mormonism in this podcast but also because the story seems so Mormon to me for sure
0: and fringe Mormon for the most part and on the part of her family but that doesn't change the fact that they were going to traditional LDS services right
1: you know and like a fringe group literally can't exist without a mainstream version right like it had to come from something yeah and it came from the same Mormonism we grew up with. Mm-hmm. I would call our upbringing very mainstream Mormonism. We yeah. were devout, mm-hmm. but we also went to school, went to the doctor. Read Harry Potter. Um, Read Harry Potter. We weren't stockpiling ammunition for
0: no but we had food
1: storage but we did have food storage yes I do want to talk about that like yeah there is a prepper vibe in mainstream Mormonism too for sure. So yeah, is this a story about Mormonism? I was looking up reviews of the book and I found a couple I just wanted to quickly reference yeah. that kind of grapple with this question. Okay. So one of them is written by a Yale English professor named John Durham Peters. It's called Another Mormon Education. It's a rave review. Like he loved Educated and he grew up in a mormon family but is not a practicing mormon Mm -hmm. and he talks about how educated is like fundamentally a mormon story Mm -hmm. and how the story of like moving from your like rural humble upbringing to like extreme academic accolades is such a story that mormons love yeah And he even references, like, Joseph Smith, you know, born in obscurity, born in poverty. But by the time of his assassination in 1844, he's this, like, massive figure in the religious world. He's also running for president at the time. So There's this rise from obscurity that Mormons love. Mm -hmm. This was something he called out that I thought was interesting. Among the top 15 leaders of the church are men with advanced degrees from Duke, Harvard, Oxford, Purdue, Stanford, Yale. Yeah. Mormons love an education. They love a prestigious education. They love prestige. Yes. It's not like non-Mormons don't, but Mormons really, really do. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was interesting. He called her memoir a captivity narrative. Mm -hmm. She was captive to her family, her religion, to this place. And that this kind of like rise from captivity really fits within mormon culture. He says it fits a culture whose literature starting with the book of mormon's extended war scenes has a violent streak. And that was something i hadn't really thought about how like as a mormon child you are introduced to violence mm-hmm. through the scriptures so matter-of-factly so early. Mm-hmm. There is a real violence to the tradition. Yeah,
0: and like the concept of martyrdom
1: Mm-hmm. I thought
0: of you could and you should be, if asked, a martyr, mm-hmm. you know, for the yeah. church.
1: Yes, those are heavy themes <laughs> to That's be wild teaching young children. Yeah. He also says many readers seemed odd that this Idaho Mormon girl would be studying modern political thought at the highest levels. But what better training could there be for reading John Stuart Mill than reading Joseph Smith? Yeah same era same style and like she was brought up on these like obscure sermons from these old white men and then he says there is no more fundamental question in the mormon tradition than that of testimony and witness mm-hmm. true yeah and
0: really yeah yeah who more perfect to go into the field that she's in then someone just like
1: her. So that's a a Mormon adjacent scholar saying, oh, this book is definitely about Mormonism. It's quintessentially Mormon. Mm-hmm. Then I found a review published in BYU Studies Quarterly. So a current believing Mormon, uh, it's Angela Hallstrom, who also praises the book, but she's very careful to point out, oh, Westover says this isn't about Mormonism. And it's really not. And she writes, what the book is not, however, is a meditation on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. While Westover spends some time in the book grappling with spiritual questions, the themes that truly animate the narrative are centered on family. What does it mean to belong to a family? Mm. And when I read that, I was like, how is that not a spiritual question? Right. (laughs) Especially to a Mormon.
0: How is that not the core
1: spiritual question of Mormonism?
0: Yeah. How does that not have everything to do with Mormonism?
1: What does it yeah. mean to belong to a family?
0: Yeah, because the answer <laughs> will be different for a because Mormon. Because you're a
1: Mormon, yeah. Because you're Mormon. And and there's your own sort of nuclear family, your own eternal family, but there's also your ward family mm-hmm. and just like your family of faith. And what does it mean to belong to that and be true to that? Oh my gosh, if that's not the most Mormon question, person could ask Mm -hmm. i just feel like they want it not to be about mormonism because you know byu uh, active mormons don't want it to be about mormonism because then it doesn't have to be critical of mormonism right
0: tara westover really beautifully toes the line Mm -hmm. um and i think it's to these people's benefit Mm -hmm. you know so they can say um, you know, it's not a meditation on the LDS church. Yeah, you know, and get away with it. You know, I know lots barely. of
1: believing Mormons, including our own parents, who read, educated, and really liked it. And they recognize, you know, it's a troubling story, but they didn't feel threatened by it. Right. One other uh thing I wanted to call out, another review of sorts that I found. I just happened upon this on Facebook last week. A friend of a friend read, educated, and posted their review on Facebook. And this is an active Mormon in 2022. Mm -hmm. And their review was that they hated it. And they Mm. thought it was stupid and an attack on the church. And I was really taken aback by this because I was like, wait, she says it's not about Mormonism. Why do you feel attacked? Right. But then in the comments, all of these people were agreeing with her and saying, yep, it's just a flagrant attack on the church it's flagrantly anti LDS and this person said like i wish she had said her dad's beliefs weren't representative of the church and i thought well she kind of did but also they are representative they are. of the church mm-hmm. patriarchy survivalism Mm -hmm. the last days all of that stuff is embedded into mormonism right
0: yeah to us it might seem fringe but if you really think about it it's more just Mm old-fashioned granted he's crazy but you know that sort of domineering religious ultra spiritual father who has revelations i mean you read about that kind of shit all the time yeah in the way back in days old mountain man who uh thought he was
1: hearing from God all the time. I don't know. It's not yeah. that crazy. It's not that crazy. And and even in modern mainstream Mormonism, for your, like, patriarchal leader, whether that's your dad or your bishop, to come to you and say, I've received a revelation on your behalf, normal. Normal. Sure, the content of that revelation is hopefully not completely unhinged, like it right. was in the case of Tara Westover's father, but, like, normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, delivered by someone
0: who is like nice and clean shaven and in a yeah, in a sure. pressed suit and, and start nice and starchy and right not uh, covered in horrific scars and right. burns from their junkyard accidents.
1: There is a certain amount of like mainstream Mormons feeling protected from um, criticism in this book because they are of a different like class. Yeah. And there's a certain class protection that they feel too. Well, I don't work in a junkyard. I'm right. I'm different from this person because of my education, because of my income, because of whatever trappings. I think that's all of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. One thing that I found interesting in this group of folks on Facebook reviewing the book really negatively was that a couple of them mentioned like knowing people who know the Westover's. And saying, like, well, I should ask them what they think. (laughs) As if this random person you know who's tangentially related to the family would know more be more honest than their own daughter. And just this mistrust of her because she was saying things they didn't want to hear really troubled me. And it just made me think about how One of the defenses of Mormonism I see a lot from believing members of the church is by by its fruits, you shall know it, right? Mm, Like mm -hmm. um, the fruits of the church are evidence that the church is true. So Mm -hmm. the fact that it's still around when other religions of Joseph Smith's time have really sort of fizzled out or that it does good in the world or that there are all these temples Or that it's so prosperous or that you are so prosperous, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are all the fruits of the gospel that bear witness to the truth of it. But Tara Westover's story is also the fruits of the gospel. Yes. Her dad, his violence and abuse, her brother's abuse and the way it was protected. Mm -hmm. Those are the fruits of the gospel. For sure. And when you talk about that, the Mormons are like, well, not that. That's not what I mean when I say look at the fruit. Mm-hmm. I mean this, this like beautiful, picture-perfect fruit over here. But all of it is the fruit mm-hmm. of Mormonism, including the FLDS, including Warren Jeffs, including white supremacist groups, including doomsday extremists, all of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Elisa, let the preppers prep.
1: the preppers can prep but like the mormons can't pretend that they aren't of the same tradition so what's interesting to me about that is tara westover saying this isn't a book about mormonism but then all these people are like yes it is no it isn't yes it is and i'm mad about it right (laughs) and um i just find that fascinating it's the
0: ones who want it to not be about mormonism the most are complaining that it is yeah it's like just let it go
1: or just look inward for a minute well that for sure goodness (laughs) gracious yeah before you come after this book and this woman's credibility like maybe take stock of why you're reacting this way for Mm -hmm. just a moment Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i did think Pretty much throughout the book, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way because I don't disbelieve her, but I did feel like sometimes the writing was a little bit dramatic. Oh, sure. In that she would like apply a number to things that sounded a little bit over dramatized. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I watched TV for 20 hours, 20 a day. hours
1: a day. Yeah, that's a lot. It's like you didn't have to even say that, you know, mm-hmm. and she
0: would just pepper in things like that occasionally that just make you kind of go. Ugh.
1: You know, I was kind of rubbed the wrong way when she talks about taking the ACT and it's the first test she's ever taken. And she's like asking the proctor, what do I do with these, this bubble sheet? Right, And I've taken enough standardized tests to know that every single one of them starts with like a five minute lecture about how to fill out bubble sheets. Yes. You're not just tossed in there. No matter how well you know your way around a bubble sheet, you're talked to about a bubble sheet. Yes. And so there were moments like that where I'm like, you don't have to play it up like this for it still to be a dramatic story. For sure. And I'm not trying to nitpick
0: Tara no. Westover.
1: It's I think literally that's part the of the genre thing. of yeah. the memoir. And she herself, again, is very aware of the fact that her stories are being told from her perspective and another person would tell them differently. Yeah. There's like a self-awareness of that that I think is important. But with that said, like, I believe her. For sure. I believe her story. I did
0: not, like the story alone she tells where in her first year at BYU, she is confronted with the word holocaust Mm
1: -hmm. for the
0: first time in her life and she doesn't recognize it that alone uh, i believed obviously i don't think that that's made up Mm -hmm. but that alone could have carried the whole book you don't need the only story you have to
1: tell uh, you
0: don't need to spice anything up yeah that's wild
1: that's wild yeah that's enough for us to go whoa what was happening yeah. With your education, this homeschool education, this frontier survivalist education, there were some major gaps. Yeah. And they're problematic. Yes. That's
0: a that's a pretty big one right there. I'm reading your notes and it's crazy to me that someone in that thread who was criticizing the book compared it to, uh, quote unquote, the crawdad movie.
1: <laughs> Interesting
0: story ruined by lack of
1: attention to detail. Yep. Holy smoke. I mean, the Crawdad movie mm-hmm. slash book, for one thing, is fictional. Yeah. <laughs> for another thing, was written by like maybe a white supremacist murderer. murderer. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, not really equivalent levels of like scandal here. No. And making that comparison is just so defensive in a weird way. Yeah. And like lack of attention to detail, I just I don't
0: I don't see that. I don't see that, my friend. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I read that crawdad book. No, 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 not (laughs) not as similar. That crawdad
0: book does not compare. I'm so sorry.
1: Let's talk about then the ways that Tara Westover's story overlaps in our experience with mainstream Mormonism. Because I do think it does. I do think this is a story about Mormonism. So one thing I thought of was how she talks a lot about preparing to escape persecution. Mm. And obviously it's taken to an extreme. Like her dad tells them the feds are going to come steal them away or kill them. So they're Mm -hmm. like stockpiling fuel and guns and everything. But did you experience this in mainstream Mormonism? Like be prepared to run from persecutors yeah i did for sure
0: yeah that's like the whole thing (laughs) that's the whole thing
1: that's like our whole history yeah is like mormons are being persecuted for no reason mind you
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: um like having to move from place to place and it is not over can i say something
0: controversial please and very brave
1: i would love that um
0: persecution ...is the fun part of Mormonism. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. It's a little bit fun. Well, especially because it's imagined.
1: Mm -hmm. It's imaginary. It makes you feel special. It's a little
0: bit of drama. You prepare. Yeah. You get ready. You have a little
1: plan. You have your food storage tucked away... You um have your family photo albums ready, Aww. and you get to like
0: interpret things mm-hmm. through that lens. Yeah, you know that's
1: uh... what a distinction. Yeah, um, it made me think of one summer at girls' camp. I'm 12 years old. Girls' camp is summer camp for Mormon girls. Yes, you go off to some church-owned property. And you hang out and have spiritual experiences with your fellow teenage girls. Mm -hmm. So I'm 12 years old. Every year at girls camp, there was something called a night hike. And in my experience, it was always batshit. Yeah. And my first night hike ever at 12, we're um, hanging out in our teepees. We had teepees at girls camp. Yes. And um, all of a sudden there's uh, this commotion. Mm. People are, like, banging things and just making a lot of noise, hooping and hollering. And they're coming around to each campsite and saying, like, grab whatever you can carry. We have to make a break for it. Like, they're coming for us. (laughs) Oh, wow. And we were scared. (laughs) We were supposed to be scared. Yeah. And we, like, went on this little night hike and the destination was, like, Missouri. What? Yeah, and so we were roused out of our beds and scared into this little trek to fake Missouri in the woods, where we would be safe from persecution. Wow, that's beautiful. I don't know who was running girls' camp that year, but can you imagine being in that pitch meeting? Like, what do we do for our night hike this year? I don't know let's scare the shit out of these kids you know it
0: was probably one young women's leader and then like all of the older girls whatever we called them they had a special name
1: yeah 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 I can't remember either like YCL is for some reason in my head but oh you yeah youth camp leader I have no idea they came up with it yeah and ran and they're it. like won't this be fun a little bit of drama yeah you want
0: to know what we did so number one night hikes were awesome but we did snipe hunts <sighs> oh where yeah, the older too. girls okay yeah we would just take little girls out in the woods and traumatize them and scare the that was just them. fun no adults involved
1: yeah no adults no persecution complex but still fear still fear but one
0: thing we did which you maybe did this too we did like emergency preparedness scenarios mm-hmm. did you ever do that um, so we would do like, there's been an accident mm-hmm. at the docks and there are like drownings and you have to like go in the water and save people. And there are people like out on a boat. So you have to take a boat to like get to them and save them. There was one that was one year, a car accident Jeez. people like wrapped around trees and fake blood. It was really horrific. Also very traumatizing. Did anyway, you girls save camp. them
1: with magic salves. I think we used real medicine. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, girls camp was nuts. Yeah. And yeah, persecution and prepperism were really at the heart of it. I also, it makes me think about being in Sunday school as a young kid. And the our Sunday school teacher was a mm-hmm. lunatic. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you they later often, who it was. They often are. You'll, as soon as I say the name, you'll be like, yep. You can say it and I'll bleep it. Oh, for sure. She specifically called out me our brother and the bishop's son in this group of young teenage Mormons and was like you three need to be ready because you have righteous fathers and your families are going to be called up at the last day when Christ returns to the earth you're going to need to be ready to go to Missouri again Missouri was a big part of all this Mm -hmm. and you're just going to be a part of that like second coming wow and all the other kids are like ready like, All these other kids are up? like what's Wait, wrong with my dad i'm not special enough to be persecuted and have to march to missouri and i was like oh geez yeah <laughs> sounds like a drag can
0: i get out of this somehow
1: <laughs> and i remember going home that day and telling mom and dad and they were both like oh brother you yeah. know how absurd yeah but everybody knew she was absurd and yet she was teaching teenagers right and no one stopped her yeah and there were plenty of other people in the world who would have taught us the same nonsense Mm -hmm. it was mainstream yeah i came home
0: telling so many ridiculous stories like fantastical stories made up by the sunday school teacher about their idea of when joseph smith found the plates or Mm -hmm whatever their own twisted opinion on gay people but it was like basically in line with the church so Mm -hmm. nothing ever happened and our little impressionable minds just had to hear the wild ramblings of a truly unhinged person
1: literally never did i see consequences for an adult who taught something racist homophobic sexist fear-based Problematic, no. which is how the Westovers of the world thrive. Exactly, you know, like it, back in that thread on Facebook where they were reviewing Educated, they were like, "Oh, he was the ward mission leader when a friend of mine was a missionary there." So, like, he is in leadership positions, yeah, in the church, working with young, impressionable Mormons, right.
0: And that's exactly the problem. It's not evidence of there being no problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. That's
1: the problem. Yep. So persecution complex galore. Yeah. Prepper- stuff happening we had food storage everybody had food storage that was common mormon practice i don't know if it still is i assume it is mm-hmm. to have years worth of food storage in yeah. your house like relatives of ours it's like their whole basement is lined with like jars and your faithfulness in the church is in part measured by how much food storage you have mm-hmm. so don't tell me we're not survivalists yeah
0: yeah 100%. Yeah. And I was going to say though, nowadays I feel like food storage and emergency preparedness is m- maybe a good idea since we live in the age of everything is burning sure. down and flooding. Yes. And I uh, let me get my hands on some of that. I do have actually some prepper things that mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that were purchased by her parents. Yeah. Yeah, they were gifts. Like a little, you know, a little backpack. Or it's actually big, a duffel bag of um, supplies. Now that that you mentioned it, I do too. I have that for mom and
1: dad. And And it is
0: a great comfort to me.
1: Having a 72-hour kit is a great idea. Having Mm -hmm. food storage in your house is a great idea. I'm not saying that it's not. right. Having years worth is maybe a little extreme. That ends up getting thrown away. Right. But also the mindset behind it was you need this because... Either mm-hmm. like the earth is gonna burn at the second coming, and you're gonna mm-hmm. need to feed your family, or you're going to be like so persecuted that you're gonna have to like hole up in your house and eat your stores. Right. Yikes! It word. was because you were a Mormon that you needed food storage. Right. Yeah, we weren't like, hey, everybody.
0: Yeah. You need food storage. We're yeah, the food do you storage want some church. of mine? Right. No.
1: no. Another way that I see mainstream Mormonism reflected in her, in Tara Westover's book is the way that abusers are enabled and shielded. Yeah. And we've already talked about this a little bit, but I just want to like explicitly mention the recent AP article mm-hmm. about abuse cover-ups in the church. Yes. I'm sure lots of our listeners are familiar with this. If you're not, you can really easily Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, But... Yeah, it's like a known fact that when someone confesses to a Mormon bishop that they're abusing a child, that that bishop is instructed to call a helpline of the church, not the authorities, not the police, not Child Protective Services, but a church helpline that more often than not directs them to lawyers. Yes. So instead of protecting children, what's happening is the church is protecting itself, Mm -hmm. its bishops, Mm -hmm. and abusers. Yeah.
0: Whatever can uh, keep the heat off of them. Mm -hmm. uh, That seems to be all they care about.
1: And you see that so much in Westover's story about her own father, her own brother, the way that... You know, they're still in good standing with the church. They're still leaders in the church, but also they're being upheld by the members of their family who are used to a patriarchal structure that Mm -hmm. holds up abusers. Right. It's natural to do that at home when you're doing it at church. Yeah.
0: And at this point, I mean, for example, her mother is an abuser. Yeah. You can only watch your child actively be abused for so long before you become the passive abuser
1: right yeah and in fact her mom wrote a rebuttal to educated yes i learned in my research for this episode so tara westover's mom larie westover Mm self-published a book titled educating just a couple of years after educated came out here's how she describes it I want to tell the story of my life as I really lived it, and Mm -hmm. I want my grandchildren to know who their grandmother is and was, and I want to be a force for good in their lives. Also, I feel a compelling desire to shine a light of accuracy on homeschooling, herbal medicine, and the living of a conservative and Christian way of life. Yeah. So the book, which I obviously didn't read and and not going to read no, has no, no. abysmal reviews on mm-hmm. goodreads and amazon and everywhere but one of the reviews i found is from tara westover's sister-in-law
0: mm-hmm.
1: so her brother tyler his wife stephanie writes a review of educating and it is wild and mm. she's basically like this book is horrific it's filled with gaslighting right she's trying to like rewrite the history of her own family in Mm -hmm. a way that protects her son who's a horrific abuser which i've seen with my own eyes and that discounts her daughter who's had the courage to like speak up and then at the end of her review of Educating, she writes: "To step into Val and Laurie Westover's world is to lose touch with reality, which mm-hmm. is why I no longer do that. I hesitated to write reviews, but in the end, I feel, felt the need to speak truth, defend the victim, and give hope to those who might be in similar situations." Mm.
0: Yeah, good for her. Yeah, she mentions she couldn't. She uh, couldn't even finish the book.
1: Yeah, but like the fact that the family writes this rebuttal to educated and that it creates further rifts within the family i mean this family is so divided Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and we've talked about this in previous episodes how like the big claim of mormonism is that it keeps families together Mm -hmm. but it really often does the opposite
0: yes it keeps perfect Mm -hmm. quote-unquote families together right if everyone can live without doubt in the church and in each other and be completely loyal no matter what toxically loyal yes loyal for no good reason and in close proximity to each other and just completely honest i mean it's just i don't know how people do it
1: Mm -hmm. and like tara westover talks about how in the the final section of the book She's becoming more estranged from her family. She's becoming more distant from Mormonism and the belief she was raised with. And her dad and mom visit her at Harvard. And her dad's like, let me give you a blessing and save you like Mm-mm-mm. a priest blessing." blessing. Yeah. And she part of her wants to receive that blessing, wants to just kind of give in and be like, you're right. I'm wrong. I believe what you believe. But she can't do it. She yeah. can't like deny what she now knows to be true, but also to be false. And no matter how much she wants to, she can't. Yeah. And um, I, again, I felt that. like
0: I thought that was really brave and unexpected because she mm-hmm. had been having such a hard time, not just reverting back to that 16-year-old self mm-hmm. who just falls into line and believes what she's told, even if it goes against what she knows. Mm-hmm. And... I thought that was really brave. I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I accepted priesthood blessings when I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. It's a really hard thing to say no to. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think I've ever been offered a priesthood blessing since not believing in the church. Yeah. But to be offered that, especially by someone you love and care for, is a a big gesture. And to reject it is a big rejection right especially
0: when it's so easy to just say yes even if yeah that's not how you feel
1: but that's kind of what the sort of toxic loyalty of the church preaches is is that you set aside your own values your own beliefs for the beliefs of the whole Mm -hmm. you choose the family Mm -hmm. over yourself right right There's
0: a reason why you care so much and it burdens you so much to care for and toil over your family loyalty and it's because it's right and it's good, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's just not necessarily, it's just not necessarily true.
1: Yeah. A couple of other quick things, very mainstream. The toxic modesty culture that Tara Westover <sighs> talks about. Her brother is like constantly accusing her of being a whore. Mm-hmm. He's like so self-conscious of her body, so aware of yeah of herself as like unclean. Mm-hmm. There was one thing she said that struck me so much, I just wrote it down she talked about her worth as a person being conditional and being bestowed by people Mm -hmm. like her dad or her brother Mm -hmm. or the church and she said what was of worth was not me but the veneer of constraints and observances that obscured me Mm. i got like goosebumps (laughs) just reading that again yeah it's not you inherently that have Mm. value and worth it is your ability to act out
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This kind of person, yeah, that is valued by these kind of people. Yeah, one hundred percent. So true. Yep. To the Mormon experience.
0: Yeah, that it. That's that is it. That's that is it, it is. for a
1: woman in the church in yes. a nutshell. Here's the mold.
0: Uh oh, you don't fit.
1: You better pretend. Shoot. Yes. And then the last thing I was thinking about with this was I was sort of asking myself, you know, like, did I know a lot of survivalist Mormons growing up Mm -hmm. in the church? Did I know a lot of people with these kind of extreme beliefs? No, I didn't Mm -hmm. know a lot of them. But did I know some? (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. And I was thinking about people I knew at BYU who were like 16 and they'd been homeschooled and they came from families with like 14 children and they had like, really significant gaps in their like knowledge and awareness and Mm -hmm. I just think like oh now I kind of get like what that was yeah or I think about a mission companion I had years after our mission I read in the news I just happened upon news that her parents had been convicted of child neglect Mm -hmm. of one of her younger sisters. And their defense was, well, we use these herbal remedies. We don't know why she's dehydrated and malnourished and gangrenous. Gangrenous. I know I read that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Frankincense isn't going (laughs) to cut it. No, no, no. And they actually serve time in jail. That's why. And this is my mission companion. Wow. That's a connection. That is like As mainstream as it gets, you're going on a Mormon mission. I also noted last night when I was thinking about her and thinking about this episode, I did a little digging Mm -hmm. and I found her parents' joint Facebook account. And I Mm. just had this hunch. I was like, I just know that they're Westover Acolytes, yeah. like Westover fans. Yes. And I looked at their list of likes and there it was. Butterfly Express, the Westover's wow. essential oil business. Mm. And I was just like sort of stunned. Mm. Sympathizers. So yeah, it's not everybody, but it is there. Yes. That's not even a... That's, that's very wild. That's amazing. not a friend of a friend. That was my mission companion. They went to
0: to jail yeah as these mofos should
1: so anyway this is all to say is this a book about mormonism absolutely does this book reflect our upbringing as mainstream mormons no but also yes yeah and i think if active mormons read it and feel defensive they should look at themselves a little bit yeah, there's a reason there.
0: Yeah, examine yourself, examine your families,
1: mm-hmm. your family structure. You'll see it. You'll see it. It's there. I um, One kind of overwhelming thought I had while reading the book this time, this was my second time reading it. I just had this sort of like analogy forming in my brain while I was listening about how growing up in the church is like growing up with someone holding something right in front of your face. And for the purposes of the analogy, let's say it's the Book of Mormon, right? Like the Book of Mormon is right here. Yeah. And when something is right in front of your face, you can't see around it. Mm -hmm. You can't see past it. All you can see is that thing. And there's something about being educated and whether that's formally or informally, whether that's in just being educated in your own beliefs, your own like internal values your own inherent worth whatever it is Mm -hmm. that like sort of moves that away and and it's pretty shocking how much there is to see when that is removed yeah and like I feel like Tara Westover describes that really beautifully but like I feel like I've experienced that for sure Since, especially since leaving the church, it's like moving the blockage out from in front of your eyes and realizing, like, oh, there's a whole world here.
0: Mm -hmm. The way that people outside the church
1: live is valid Mm -hmm. and safe Mm -hmm. and good. Right. And you don't have to, like, spend all of your energy devoted to upholding this belief when that belief is like contrary to who you are mm-hmm. when it's a counter to like science and fact and evidence yeah. you can in fact believe things that most people believe yeah and don't <laughs>
0: doubt your doubts <laughs> listen to your doubts right
1: they're there for a reason
0: yeah sometimes they're nothing but you got a good brain listen yeah to it. Anyway, great book. It was a very good book. I am really excited to not have to think about it anymore.
1: Yeah. It's heavy to go through the process of of experiencing this book. Yeah. You like worry that she's not going to make it out alive, even though you know Mm -hmm. she will because she writes the book in the end. Yeah. And as a Mormon, it's particularly heavy because it's hard not to reflect on your own upbringing and see the traces of it in the brutality and mania of Tara westover's story
0: Mm -hmm. and just in
1: her inability to just let them go just just let them let them go i know i actually finished the book just this morning and there's this last ditch effort she makes to go back to idaho and I was like, Whoa. I like out loud. I was like, Me too. Why yeah. stop going back. Yeah. Let them go. What is it going to take? Like how many times do you need to be like physically threatened and dismissed and gaslit before you just stop? Apparently that many times. It took Not that many, many times. times. However many times it took, it finally happened. Yeah. And God bless her. Please bless Tara Westover. Please bless Tara Westover. Mm. I'm sh- I it seems like she is being blessed because now she's a famous person and a millionaire and I did look at her website and she has like books she recommends for folks who have experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. And she also has this note that like, I'm stepping away from my own mental health from like events and things for a while from interviews and I'm going to focus on other things. And it just made me think like how heavy it must have been to write this book, have the world react to it, have to engage with it for years. Yeah. Your, your mom's rebuttal. It's just a nightmare. Yeah. yeah her. their the family lawyer made some statements the mom wrote this book as a rebuttal yeah take a minute yeah. and just disconnect maybe from this because it's a lot bless her i hope she's taking a nap i hope so too i hope she's watching buffy the vampire slayer oh, guilt-free yeah.
0: i know i want to know what she's watching on tv
1: what are you watching on tv right now katie um house of the dragon Obviously, yeah, same. I actually am in a Game of Thrones rewatch because <gasps> of House of the Dragon. That's very exciting. How are That's you? Great. How are you liking it? It's been great. There's a lot I didn't remember. It's, it's been fun great. To
0: yeah.
1: It's the best.
0: I have also been watching the show on HBO called Dog House. Okay. It's a British reality show where folks like families go to a dog shelter and the people working at the shelter like set them up with their perfect match so it's almost like a little dating show where they meet a dog and then get taken home that
1: sounds wholesome
0: 10 out of 10 it's incredible (laughs) I kind of have a hard time even watching it I'm not like I'm a big animal person but not specifically like a dog person I have a hard time watching it because I'm like I gotta go get a dog yeah right now like it's the sweetest and it's just so british oh King of britain rest in peace her royal oh, highness yes the queen
1: you, you know listeners will be hearing this episode in a couple of weeks but today is the day that queen elizabeth passed away yeah r.i.p please R. bless the royal family yeah King, and please, please bless, bless this podcast queen camilla
0: or whatever well on that
1: note (laughs) follow us everywhere please bless pod Mm. email us at please bless pod at gmail.com follow us write some really nice reviews send us a dm Mm -hmm. listen watch on youtube all of it do it all and we'll see you next time see you next time
0: amen (sighs) amen